Smack dab in the middle of October. The scary month. The moon is full, the night is dark, and I ask you, sweet imbibers of the brown liquor, what scares you the most? For me, it would be coming to a dark house and the power's out, but the door that was locked is open. I go in, I mean, shit, it's my house, right? I instinctively go to the Tower of Bourbon, grab a glass and a bottle, pour three fingers of courage, and then I spit because in the dark, I've poured a shitty gift whiskey that somebody got me. It's not their fault. They didn't know any better. And it's there because it's a gift. You don't toss something given in friendship. Sometimes it's, it's not always about what you got, people. Sometimes it's about what you get. Hi, I'm Dino Tripodis, and welcome to another installment of Whiskey Business. If this is a repeat visit for you, welcome back. If it's a first-time visit, welcome to the podcast. It's not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey, as we sample and imbibe in a different whiskey each and every podcast. And tonight, since it's the scary month, I thought we'd, we'd get a little protection and go with the angels. Angels Envy, a beautiful bourbon, which is finished in port wine barrels. And we'll talk a little bit more about Angels Envy. But first, I want to introduce my scary guest. <laughs> Actually, he's he's not scary at all, but he's going to tell us some scary things. Uh, Tom Betty is with me. Tom Betty is an author and also uh, works for the state of Ohio. He's in state government, people, but we are not permitted to say what he does in state government. Tom, welcome. Thank you very much. It's, it's nice good to, to be have here. you here. First of all, um, I'm here representing Columbus Landmarks Foundation. Mm-hmm. We're a cool group of people. Uh, we like to uh, make history fun, mm-hmm. and our website is columbuslandmarks.org. Look at that, Greg. He got the he's got the info right out of the gate, you know. And he's uh, co-written the following books: Historic Hotels of Columbus, Historic Columbus Taverns on this day in Columbus, Ohio, and Columbus neighborhoods. But what we're interested in tonight are the haunted taverns of Columbus, Ohio. I know that you're not a a whiskey drinker. It's by, free. By, I'll by, take it uh, by choice. <laughs> that sounds like a state person to me. It's free. I'll take it. But you say you drink wine. Yes, I'm a wine drinker. And it's just by coincidence that I happen to pick Angel's Envy because, as I mentioned, it's finished in port wine barrels. Have you had a sip yet? I have not. I'm waiting for the toast. The toast. Click, my friend. There you go. To whiskey business, not risky business. Whiskey business. A little play on words there. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Yeah. 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 You like like it? it? Yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, what you're tasting and what you might even be smelling and- you did as, well, you, you enjoy wine. Do you appreciate the the finish at the end of that? I do. It's very smooth. Very smooth, yes. It's got a little spiciness to start mm-hmm. and a little yeah. sweet in the middle, but it's got a nice little little finish at the end and not a really long one. It doesn't linger. And it doesn't have that kick that sometimes you get with bourbon and whiskey. I know what you're talking about, my friend. I've drinking a lot of different whiskeys, and they all have their kicks and some have a nudge. <laughs> And my producer Greg Hansberry, you 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 have got you've sampled a little bit, haven't you? Yeah, you like. Have you not liked any whiskey that we brought in yet? Never had a whiskey at all. Yeah, exactly. Let's get to the topic at hand. It is October. It's the scary month. All right, historic haunted taverns. 
in Columbus, Ohio, the place where I live, have I been to some of these taverns? Have I been to some of these places? You, you may have, yes. Unknowingly? It's it's possible. Hit me with one. Uh, well, one is the jury room. It's now called the Blind Lady Tavern. I was I have not been there since it's been the Blind Lady Tavern. They have Tavern. really good burgers. They just got rated, uh, I believe, <laughs> the best burger in town by Columbus Underground. Make a note, Greg, burger business for the, <laughs> for the next uh, podcast on the side. The best burgers week after week. But I've been to the jury room when jury it was room. the jury room, yeah. and it's haunted. Oh, yeah. By what? Uh, well, you know, it depends on who you ask. Um, during the Civil War, the jury room was actually a brothel. Um, and the jury room is in a building that was built in the 1830s. Okay. Uh, now, think about that for a second. The 1830s, Andrew Jackson was president of the United States in the 1830s. If you say it so, I, 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 if you so, tell me. I'm, I mean, that History, building, not my best subject. That building, I'm not here to dispute you. <laughs> that building's been there for a long time. Sure. And uh, during the the Civil War, um, uh, Columbus was very, very important to the Union Army, the Northern Army. Um, a supply line, uh, we had a big POW camp here. Um, and uh, the uh, Union Army would send a lot of their officers that they captured, Confederate officers, to Camp Chase, which is, uh, you know, uh, in Columbus. And uh, they had this gentleman's agreement that on Friday afternoon, Friday to Sunday night, they were allowed to leave their cells mm -hmm. and roam around Columbus. They could go to the state house and uh, observe, you know. These, the prisoners. The prisoners, yeah. The POWs. The POWs. Were allowed to hit the town, so they to speak. They hit the town, as, exactly. Um, and uh, they would do this in full uniform, Confederate officer's uniform. So imagine, like, if this took place in World War II. <laughs> it's got to go over well. You would have, you sure. know, Nazi uniform folks walking around downtown Columbus. I mean, it, it probably didn't go very well. Yeah, I, don't, um, I don't think and, you're going to get a table. <laughs> I don't think you're getting a table. But, but in the early part of the Civil War, they had this gentleman's agreement. Mm -hmm. You know, they were all brothers after all. And, uh, you know, as long as you returned by Sunday night, you were allowed to leave your cell. And uh, like I said, the jury room had a brothel there. So uh, during the week, all of the union officers would, you know, see the ladies of the night. And then uh, on the weekends, the Confederate officers would go there. Um, and uh, so no matter what way you uh, cut it, uh, these ladies were very patriotic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the, one of the madams of the... Uh, this brothel that was there was a tavern there uh, and she lived um underneath it her name was Frances miller um she uh late at night um after she put all the girls to bed um you know her ladies of the night um there was this huge knock on the door it was some drunk kid um i think he was in his 20s um he was knocking on the door banging on the door you know i i need to see you know ethel or whoever his regular girl was mm -hmm. and um, uh, Francis Miller uh, the madam said uh, I'm sorry sir you're going to have to come back tomorrow and you're drunk and my girls are already to bed and uh, I guess he got kind of irate because um, he really wanted to see uh, you know his favorite girl of the night and um, threatened to kick down the door and uh, her uh, Francis Miller who had a 
young daughter um, in the room feared for her life. So what she did was she got a revolver, opened the door, and shot him dead on the on the, the street, right in front of the jury room, um, which which is now the Blind Lady Tavern mm-hmm. um, on Mound Street, Mound and High Street. The Blind Lady Tavern, meaning the Blind Lady of Justice. Blind Lady of Justice. Okay. Yeah. Because the courthouse used to be right across the street. Uh, so back to the dead guy. So apparently he is still drunk. The ghost right. of this this uh, gentleman is still drunk, and he's still roaming the jury room. In October, we uh, give our tours at the uh, the the jury room, which is now the Blind Lady Tavern, and um, we would ask some staff, you know, you know, tell us some weird things that have happened here. And they said, oh, we can tell you lots of weird things. Uh, there was this little uh, woman uh, who was a very uh, cute lady that worked in the kitchen. And she would tell me that, uh, you know, things would fly off the shelf and, you know, a, you know, a loaf of bread would hit her in the, the head, you know, just like kind of playful stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there was a bartender there named Keith. And uh, Keith told me that uh, he closed the bar uh, late at night, like 2.30 in the morning. It's always late at night. I know, late at night. Um, and he was uh, uh, in the in the back, um, uh, in the kitchen, you know, cleaning up or whatever. And he comes out, and the tap was going, and there was beer flowing everywhere. And there was a, uh, a pitcher under the, uh, under the tap. Um, so then he said, you know, that, well, that's strange, uh, because it wasn't, there was no pitcher under the tap when I left, to go in the back, and also uh, there was no, uh, you know, the tap wasn't going. Um, so, so naturally, because I like to uh, be a smartass when I can, I said, so, so what did you do? And he said, well, what do you think I did? And, you know, I'm thinking, well, if I were you, I would get the hell out of there. But he said, uh, well, I turned off the tap and I started drinking. You know, what else do you do? Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so apparently uh, that building has lots of activity. But nobody's seen him? No one has seen him. Because some people can see ghosts, and you yeah. and I, we, we don't have that, no, when, when, that when third I walk, eye. Yeah, when I walk into a room, the the ghosts go out for a smoke. <laughs> what? They, nothing ever happens to me. So um, you're like a ghostbuster whether you want to be or yeah, not? Yeah, I am like ghost Teflon. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, you know, as a historian, I approach these stories very much like folklore. Right. And most of these stories uh, that people tell me over the years um, on on our our ghost tours in October, uh, the rest of the year we we give you know very educational tours about neighborhoods and and Columbus history. But in October we do these ghost tours, and uh, some folks, um, the majority of folks uh, that tell me stories of experiences that they've experienced, I would say eight nine times out of ten their positive experiences you know there's nothing like you know somebody the the ghost doesn't like choke you or or like some horror movie thing yeah you know there's that's what i want to hear yeah there's i want to hear i want to hear that the ghost had his arms around my neck and it was choking me to death and then all of a sudden you know there was a flash of light and (laughs) i was alive i was alive keep drinking the whiskey (laughs) so you're a little cynical when it comes to the uh, actual, you gun. know, a little. Do you, do you think that's good? As a, I mean, as a historian, you deal in facts. Yes. I get that. Yeah. And as a historian, you teach. I get that as well. But you do these ghost tours. Yeah. So, 
just between me and you and whoever you <laughs> whoever's know, listening, whoever, whatever the eight thousands people, of people that are listening, whatever seven nine people are listening, <laughs> do you, uh, do you, is does your cynicism come through when you're giving these ghost tours? Is your is your tongue firmly in cheek and or or, or do you sell it? Um, well, I mean, we present it as you know folklore. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know so, some of the things that uh, we um, you know that we hear over and over again, like the Great Southern Hotel, which is now the Westin. I, I always call it the Great Southern Hotel. It's always going to be the Great Southern to me and, as well. Yeah, it's it's always the Great Southern Fireproof Hotel. Mm-hmm. But uh, is is haunted? Oh yeah, totally. Now, is any now before you you, you tell me. Uh, I want you to think for a second. I want it. I want. Is there any? Is there a horrible story that's involved as far as a, you know, something there? Something bloodthirsty. Well, there there have something been something macabre. And and I dark. don't think the the Weston wants me to say this, but but you know you can is there go a room. It's it, there's true crime. Um, there there have been murders in the Great Southern Hotel. Murders um, in the and, Great Southern Hotel, you say? And one of them is a radio disc jockey, too, ah, so you better right, watch now out. now we're talking. <laughs> Let's hear it. There was this gentleman that uh, lived on the, the, the top floor of the uh, Great Southern Hotel, and uh, he was uh, uh, brutally murdered. Um, so there has been some some murders over the years. You know, the, the Great Southern Hotel has been open since 1897. Uh-huh. Um, but there's been some unusual things that happen uh, that the staff tell us about. Well, 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 well the, the radio person, is he a ghost? Does he supposedly travel the Southern? No, we... He, he was just murdered and He that was, was just it? murdered. And, and he never came it. back? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's no there's no ghost story associated with that. And it's still an unsolved crime. It's ah, still an unsolved It's a cold case. Um, but there is a story that keeps popping up, and it pops up from some of the... Uh, the guests of the hotel mm-hmm. and the staff of the hotel they keep telling me the same story All right. over the years and uh and it and it kind of makes sense and it kind of fits into the time period and this would probably be like the early 1900s i would say like 1900 1901 1905 around that time period uh where uh depending on your ethnicity uh there was very much segregation Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Italians were very much segregated from the Irish and very much segregated from the uh, the Germans. Right. This I know to and, be true. And uh, the the south side, which is now what we refer to as German village, had lots of Germans there. And arranged marriages were very common in German families in that time period, uh, even in Columbus. And uh, the story goes that there was a, uh, a young lady that uh, uh, had an arranged marriage that was set up, and she did not love this man that she was supposed to marry, um, another German. And she met this Italian boy from, uh, it would probably be the Grandview area. It was the Grandview area. A lot of Italians were in the Grandview um, area. And uh, they had this huge love story. Of course. Um, Italian. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the boy falls in love with the girl, the girl falls in love with the boy, and uh, unfortunately, the wedding was already scheduled, and the wedding reception was supposed to be at the Great Southern Hotel. Uh-huh. So the girl's father found out about this love story because the girl said, I don't want to marry your friend's son or whatever, and uh, the, the girl's father was irate about it and found this Italian boy. And paid him to leave town, never to return. 
like paid him a whole bunch of money, you know, get out of town and never come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so he did. He took the money. He took the money. He went out of left, town. Got 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 on. Or Union did he Station. just get in his car and go around the block? <laughs> well, there was no cars back then, so he got on a train and, and left. <laughs> did town. he get on the train and just go around the block? <laughs> so the girl found out that that uh, you know the man that she loved left town and was just distraught about it and was depressed and you know how could he leave me i can't believe my father did this the girl's family said you have to go through with the wedding uh you know all of our guests are are coming and you know you have to marry this boy that uh we want you to marry this other german and uh she was so upset that on the balcony of the uh, ballroom she decided to take a plunge and kill herself in front of everybody um, and ironically enough, as the story has been told to me... And this was before the actual ceremony or after the ceremony? After the ceremony, the oh, reception. that's going to mess up dinner. Because because, <laughs> because yeah, if yeah. you've ever been in, in it, it, that, and that's where the dining, the original dining room was. Oh, the ballroom wow, was actually wow. on the top floor. There's this little balcony. It's the orchestra balcony. And the bride was up there to throw her bouquet, and she decided to... Uh, you know, jump off and take a giant leap for mankind. And apparently um, the next day the boy changed heart and the Italian boy changed heart and showed up and found out that... Tragic. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of like, you know, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, a little kind of bit. Thing. I was going to say, did he kill himself then? Uh, I don't know whatever happened to him. But now in the Victorian era, it was very, very common up until World War One that the bride's dress was not white. So it was either pink or a light blue. And uh, guests would go up, guests of modern guests, you know, in the last like 10 years, would come up to the staff at the uh, Westin and say, oh, that bride that's having a, a, a wedding here, it's such a unique old fashioned dress and it's light blue. And this has happened like several times. The staff have told mm-hmm. me this story several times. And that fits in with the narrative that I just told you. So it's her. So it's her, the plunging bride that's still walking around in her wedding dress. Is it always blue? It's always blue. Mm-hmm. It's always light blue. And uh, the staff, uh, they don't, they, they know what's going on. Right. Uh, but they never correct the guest and say, well, we don't have any weddings tonight. Um, and it's always the same it's always the same lovely, why? beautiful. Why? Why would that? Why would they? Well, you know, you don't. We wanna... don't have any weddings tonight. You've seen a ghost. <laughs> you don't want to. Tonight. <laughs> Sleep well. <laughs> so a couple years ago, we were in the dark in the, the ballroom telling this story. Yeah. This very old gentleman appears in the doorway. Mm-hmm. Just appears in the doorway, and says, "Oh yeah, I know. I see her all the time." And he was like in, uh, and he he he. Looked like he worked there, but he was so old. I'm telling you, this guy was like in his late 70s, like uh-huh. 80s. Like, how could he work in the hotel? Still, yeah. And I said, you know, do you see that? Or am I seeing things? <laughs> and sure enough, he's there. Um, and re- He's really there. And he starts telling us these stories about how um, he has asked the ghosts to help him move pianos and how every once in a while he would walk into the ballroom and all the sprinklers would be going off 
Uh, so then he's like freaking out and he calls maintenance to come and, uh, um, you know, turn off the water because all the sprinklers were going off. And then all of these people rush into the ballroom and it's bone dry. So he starts telling us all these stories and it's like, wow, this is this is incredible. So this this old gentleman claims that not only the ghost of the bride, but other ghosts. As yeah, well. other ghosts. Yeah, other but, but they've all been very nice, and they even help him move pianos. Move pianos, yeah. Now, now because I'm a smartass, I asked him. You're a little if bit he, of a smartass. Yeah, I gotta I am, tell you, you know, a little bit. True. You got a little, you got a little bit of a smartass thing going. So you know, I piped up and I said, "Were you hitting the sauce that night? Because <laughs> were you were you having this great angels whiskey that night? Why do you refuse to to believe? Why why couldn't you? Why can't you accept the fact that maybe the old guy was telling the truth? Well, I mean, he may have, mm-hmm. um, but... Uh, What's it going to take, Tom, to get you to believe in ghosts? For a ghost to appear and wash my car and clean my house. Clean your house, yeah. really? Yeah, that, that would right, be nice. Let me ask yeah. you this question, then. What scares you? Seriously. And what's the most scared you've ever been? You know, I don't know what scares me. Um, How old of a guy are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 36. 36. So in the yeah. course of your 36 years on the planet, I'm 57. 57? Yeah, I'm 57. You know, and I've been scared. But and of course you're 36 years, nothing that scared the scared the living crap out of you? Mm, not not really now. Oh, you're in for a treat, yeah. my friend. <laughs> when it happens, it's going to be big. Because the longer you go, <laughs> the longer you go and the more you disbelieve, something big's going to scare the shit out of you. You know that. It's coming. It it might. Yeah. Turn that nice black hair gray. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we start talking about the other places, how, what, tell me what you think of the Angel's Envy. I really like this. I and again, I'm I'm more of a wine drinker, um, but this is very smooth. One of the reasons why um, I really don't care for whiskey and bourbon is because it has that like that gagging kick mm-hmm. uh, that that some of them have. This is very very smooth. Well, like um, I said, it yeah. goes down very smooth, and uh, it has a nice taste to it. Doesn't have that kind of uh feel or or flavor that uh, you know. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but yeah. well, sometimes you're, just, you're describing it honestly. The guy that created it, Lincoln Henderson, is a retired master distiller for. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the whiskey Woodford Reserve. Mm-hmm. Well, he was a, a master distiller for Woodford, and then when he retired, he he put his skills to work and. And came up with this, which is finished, like I said, in old port wine barrels. Um, it's the idea of what they call a second uh, maturation or a, a finishing. Uh, and this is this particular, when it first came out, was the first time port wood has been used to finish bourbon. So, And I like the, the label on the bottle right here Yeah, uh, on the side because that is definitely um, uh, turn-of-the-century uh, medical tonics. Yes. Um, so it has like this vintage feel to it. It does have a vintage feel to it. And uh, do you know why they call it Angel's Envy? I'm not sure. See, I, but I you're going to tell me. No, I get. Well, see, I get to be the historian a little bit, or, or at least teach you something. Um, it's stored in the upper racks of the warehouse, and that's the hardest, the, the hottest part of the building. And that's why uh, the name, where they cook the bourbon in the hottest part of the warehouse, that increases the rate of evaporation. And that's what they call the Angel's Share that escapes. Oh, nice. And that's why the, the name Angel's Envy. Gotcha. Well, there's a great wine that I really like, um, Two Hands from Australia. Mm-hmm. And they have a, one of their uh, Shirazes is called Angel's Share. 
and it's basically the same concept right. except it's wine. Mm-hmm. Well, good. If I can teach the historian something <laughs> before the night is out, that's a win. Kelton House. I know that the Kelton House has a long history with the Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. Is that where some of the ghostly tales come from? No, it actually comes from the Kelton family. Really? Uh, Grace Kelton uh, was an interior designer, uh, very, very uh, famous uh, uh, person in, in Columbus history. I think she passed away in the early 1970s. Um, lots of humor, and her family lived in that house uh, for, I think, four generations. So four generations of Keltons lived in that house. Um, and all this stuff is still there. It's one of the I know, most. I, I've been to it several times. It's, it's one of the most complete. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, historical home that you'll find um, in America, really. Uh, you know, when they were redoing uh, Robert Lee's uh, house in Arlington, uh, there was some historians that came to kind of, uh, you know, see some of the original uh, furniture and uh, in, in original furnishings um, in the Kelton house because it's so complete. Because they never threw anything away. They were hoarders? Um, <laughs> well, you, you had such a big house that, you know, you could put your great-grandfather's clothes and furniture up in the attic and, you know, not worry about it. Do you guys know Johnny DiLoretto? Yeah, well, Johnny was on my first podcast. All right, so you need to ask him about the Kelton house mm-hmm. because he filmed a segment there very early in the morning. Um, and there's, like, dolls up there and... You know, dolls are kind of creepy. Anyway. Dolls are creepy. Clowns are creepy. Yeah, it's true. Um, and uh, the cameraman. <laughs> the one was, thing the one thing we agreed upon. <laughs> <laughs> the cameraman was really freaked out about uh, these dolls because I guess these dolls' heads would turn. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of people report this at the Kelton House. So when Tom mentioned my friend Johnny DiLoretto, I figured I'd go straight to the source and find out what really happened. So, Johnny, this doll at the Kelton house, tell me about it. Yeah, first of all, there are two dolls, as I recall. So you go upstairs, and, you know, there are these two creepy dolls. When you get to the, you climb up the stairs, and um, at that landing up there, there's a little uh, bed, a tiny bed. And then there are these two creepy twin dolls uh, lying in there. And uh, they always, as many times as I visited the Kelton house over the years, they always creeped me out. And uh, my camera guy was also creeped out by them. Anyway, we were upstairs. We are talking about all the stuff that's happened up there, you know. And these dolls are just sort of looming large over everything. Then we go downstairs because, you know, when we did that morning show, we did a lot of segments. So we were up and down all over. So we ended up back upstairs. Uh, at some point during the morning broadcast. And when we went back up there, the dolls' heads were turned around, like face down. But just the heads, you know? Not the dolls themselves. Right. And so (laughs) my camera guy was saying that I did it. Right. Yeah. And what did you think? (laughs) I, I did it. I did it. You you did do it? Yeah, I did it. Oh, you actually turned the heads? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I turned the heads to freak them out. <laughs> <laughs> and, I thought, and I thought that I had told everybody that I did it because I was just trying to freak my camera guy out. Right. And he was 
I don't know. I, I'm shocked and I love to have, like, if this is a story going on out there, <laughs> I kind of love that. That's great. But I turned the heads. You did turn the heads. Yeah. I'm just curious if maybe after you left, the heads turned themselves back the other way. <laughs> pretty sure that, you know what? Listen, those doll heads were bound to be turned around one one way or another by some malevolent force or me. <laughs> well, some would say the two are the same. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right, my th- point. Thanks, Johnny. Sure thing, Dino. Okay, go back to the Kelton. Apparently, Grace Kelton, who, like I said, had a huge sense of humor. She still uh, likes to play tricks on people in, okay. in uh, the Kelton house. And there was a couple years ago, we had um, somebody that was sensitive and could see things on the tours, you know, and these people are very sensitive to it. You know, I'm jealous because nothing ever happens to me. It sounds like you actually want something oh, yeah, to totally. happen at some point. I mean, Absolutely. With, with all the time you've I'm a recovering Catholic. I, w- I, I like to see <laughs> stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so Grace Kelton, apparently uh, there's this uh, bath that's in one of the bedrooms. And uh, this lady who's sensitive and can see things, she said, oh, yeah, uh, Grace is standing there and she's naked and she's laughing at everybody. <laughs> she's naked. She's naked. Was she a beautiful woman? Well, she told me that the ghost uh, sometimes is a young Grace Kelton and sometimes it's a 76-year-old Grace Kelton, and the nude uh, version is the 76-year-old. So if you're into that, you may enjoy it. But uh, uh, yeah, exactly, The Shining. Uh, and I do like scary movies, by the way. You know, oh, What's your favorite scary movie? I would say The Exorcist and The Omen are probably uh, tied. The Exorcist and the Omen. The Exorcist still scares the, the oh, yeah. jeebies out of me. Oh, I yeah. still freak out when I see that. And yeah. the Omen, the Omen's okay. But uh, you, you mentioned The Shining, Greg, yeah. And The Shining's good, too. The Shining's good, too. And I think I, th- I would think that that would be one of yours since it was an old hotel. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I do like The Shining a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about The Exorcist that... Uh, being a recovering just, Catholic be, and all. Being a recovering Catholic mm-hmm. is just so freaking... Uh, Creepy as hell. So, um, do you, let me ask you that. Since since that's one of your favorite movies, I'm going to find something that you're afraid of. <laughs> goddamn it! Before it's all said and done. So, do you believe in de- in demonic possession? No, no, no. He doesn't. No. Be- no. <laughs> so, why is The Exorcist such a an exciting, thrilling, scary movie for you? There's got to be a party that says, "Oh, you know what, man? That could happen." Yeah, you, you know, maybe. Um... I, you know, it's just creepy as hell. It's like this little girl that, you know, starts talking and says that she's the devil and right. starts vomiting, you know, green pea soup over everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, kind of burns, burns something into your retinas. Um, How old were you when you first saw it? Let's see. I, the first scary movie I ever saw was Poltergeist. That one scares the crap out of me and to this day i still get scared of poltergeist and i do too and to They're this day here. i can't eat chicken on the bone because of that one scene <laughs> where because when i was a little kid i remember <laughs> and i still oh my god that's <laughs> that's that's frightening that's scary that's just oh my gosh that's yeah. horrible when he was you eating the poor chicken child. when he was eating the chicken leg and then you know uh-huh. the maggots start coming sure. out of the chicken and then his face starts <laughs> caving in and 
Uh, I must have been like with my with my older cousins, and we were watching that movie, and it just burned into my uh-huh. my brain that you know it's very difficult for me to have chicken on the bone. But you can eat green pea soup <laughs> with, with no problem. Thurber House. What's scary about the Thurber House? Well, um, and is it haunted at all by James Thurber? No, James Thurber does Why? not haunt it. Why? <laughs> But um, a lot of his stories have to do with some of the experiences that he ha- he experienced as a child um, living in the Thurber house. Okay. Um, so he saw ghosts. The, yes. The night the ghosts got in, right. uh, his famous story sure. that was in The New Yorker, um, that was basically you know an autobiographical uh, story that he was telling, that he mm-hmm. made it into humor. Um, now- there was some other ghost hunter show that uh, did a, a segment on the Thurber house, and there's a clock on a mantle that just started, uh, you know, ticking, and then the thing popped out. So there's some crazy things that do happen. I live in a, in a historic building uh, downtown. A haunted uh, building? Well, n- I don't. No, nothing's ever happened to me there. Okay. Uh, although things usually break down. Uh, after five on Friday and on the weekends, because I think uh, if there is ghosts there, they uh, definitely like overtime or <laughs> getting people to have overtime. So sometimes the elevator breaks, you know, in the middle of the night on Saturday, and we have to and pay. blood drips out of it. No, no, oh, man. But 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 I was I I'm did trying. have I, trying. I did have a, a meeting uh, at, at my condo in uh, and this used to be a, a hotel. It was built in 1898. So. It's 118 years old. And let me guess, they were serving chicken on the bone. No. No? <laughs> no, but there was very, someone very sensitive that takes paranormal very seriously. I, I noticed you use, you, you've used that word a couple of times. Uh, sensitive. sensitive. Is, that, yeah, is that what they call themselves? They're sensitives? Yeah. yeah. Sensitives? They're, yeah, they're sensitive they're to- They're sensitive to the- The other world. Other world. Okay. Um, and uh, she said, uh, there's a man standing in your corner- and I mean, what do you say to someone that says that? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? There's a ghost? Yeah, there's a ghost standing in your corner that used to work in the hotel. And uh, I must, my face must have turned pale white because I was just like, okay, well, what do you say to that? Um, and I said, well, what is he doing? Well, well, he used to be a bellman at the hotel, and uh, his name's Gustav. 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 And he really likes what you've done with the place, and he looks after your dog when you're not here. <laughs> really? So the next week, ironically enough, my uh, cousin, who's a, a Catholic priest, was visiting, and I said, "Can you please bless my place?" You know. Just oh, to- so wait a minute. So there's a little bit of there's a well, little bit what, there. What- you felt compelled. <laughs> The power of Christ compelled you <laughs> to have your brother bless the place because you were a little weirded out. Well, when you when someone tells you that there's a man that's dead yeah. standing in your living room. Sure. Watching over your place. Watching your dog. Hello. Yeah. That's nice. So, yeah, I, I guess that's the closest Why would you thing. want to chase that guy out? Uh, you know, he might still be there. <laughs> I live in Clintonville. There, and uh, do you know offhand if Clintonville is a haunted neighborhood, per se? Because I believe that my house has a spirit 
Well, I think anything that's old mm-hmm. that multiple people have lived there. Yes. Um, and probably had ha- happy memories uh-huh. uh, or, or not so happy memories and maybe even, you know, uh, died in, in an old building. Um, I would say there's a good chance. Um, I don't know. Because uh, you don't believe. <laughs> but you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, there's there's a chance. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm not saying that. So, I'm not discounting these folks that are sensitive. I'm just saying that nothing's ever happened to me, and I have to approach it as a historian and in and, and a folklore sense. Uh-huh. I get it because supposedly the original owner of the home is in my house now. He hasn't been there in a while, but there were some strange goings on. I've lived in the house for 16 years now, and uh, I've had friends and family. My daughter. Uh, actually walked into my bedroom and saw the spectral vision of an old man sitting at the foot of my bed, you know, and she claims... He was just looking after you. He was just uh, supposedly, and supposedly the sensitive or the person who who came in, because we actually, uh, the morning show actually broadcasted from there one Halloween, and the person we had in uh, actually named the guy and said his name was Bill. And I happen to have the original deed to the home. And his name is Bill. And his name was Bill. Hey, you know, in that case, you know, A plus B equals C. Tom Betty has been my guest. Let's mention the books that you and Doreen have available for people to read if they want to read more and find out more. Tell me again what they are. Historic Hotels of Columbus. Mm -hmm. Historic Columbus Taverns. Yep. On This Day in Columbus, Ohio History. Nice. And Columbus Neighborhoods. Those are nice, too. There's a lot of great history. In the city of Columbus, Ohio, which is where we broadcast from, folks. So, um, Tom, thank you so much. Thank you. It has been entertaining. And this whiskey is very, very good. Good. I really like it. You know, that's if, if we've accomplished nothing other than the fact that I've introduced you to a whiskey that you can go into a bar and say, Any Angel's Envy... And then you'll get that discriminating eye saying, yeah. that man knows his bourbon. I, I think you're on to something with this whiskey business. <laughs> Just for the record, uh, my producer and I, Greg, have had two, three. I've had four. You've had one. <laughs> so, I'm a lightweight. So <laughs> I want you to drink some more of that water <laughs> over there. Or, or my, my, my true nightmare will happen and I will get pulled over on yeah, the way home. Yeah, we don't want that to happen at all. No, no, no. All right, so this has been Whiskey Business. Let me say this, as I have for the last couple. Whiskey Business is a never-the-luck production uh, recorded in cooperation with the Columbus Radio Group. My thanks to producer Greg Hansberry, who I've not mentioned actually by name in the last two, and I'm going to start doing that more on a regular basis. The opinions of said broadcast are those of the host and his reluctant guest. (laughs) They are not meant to influence you in any way, unless, of course, you are easily influenced. So... Until the next time, my friends, and the next bottle, this is Whiskey Business, and I'm Dino Tripodis. Cheers.
History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.